Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you, and enjoy. I mentioned at the beginning of the Mass, and then we heard it in the second reading this week, about this notion of freedom, that Christ came to give us freedom. And so today what I want to talk about is what impairs our freedom, and then what, what is this notion of like that Jesus can help us with it? What's this all about? So first off, what kind of freedom are we talking about? Most of us don't feel like slaves or think of ourselves as slaves. We certainly know that following Jesus doesn't mean some sort of economic freedom where we don't have to worry about finances anymore. That's called the prosperity gospel. And we have lots of examples in our history where that's not the case in following Jesus. Nor are we free from medical worries. The last few years should have pressed that upon us that no matter how many times you say a rosary, you're still in the evening news going to hear a new number. And so what kind of freedom is Jesus talking about? Because those are the ones that usually grip our attention. Those are the ones that normally speak to us. But it's a much deeper freedom. It's a kind of freedom that is at the same amount, same level of identity, same level of what makes you, you, and me, me. In the philosophical world, we'd call this an existential freedom. And we see it in the gospel today. Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. They know that God the Father has called him there. They know something about what's going to be taking place. And on the way, they stop in the town of Samaria. A Samaritan village, excuse me. They stop in a Samaritan village. And these Samaritans, these foreigners, hear that his destination is Jerusalem, and they reject him. They say, get out. We won't welcome you here. You are not wanted. You are not loved. You are not needed or even valued. Get out. And so they walk out of town, and Jesus and his disciples are kind of processing what just happened. And you see two very different responses. One is Jesus, one is the disciples. Notice how much more free Jesus is than the disciples. They're rejected. And the disciples say to this, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven upon them? All right. If that's not wildly relatable to you, I ask that you just take a moment. <laughs> They're rejected and out of this wound of rejection, out of this pain and hurt, what do they do? They lash out. All right? Should we destroy them with fire, Jesus? This is what happens when we're hurt. This is what impairs our freedom, our capacity to live well. Pain in our hearts. Every one of us here, no matter if you're like, three years old and have a sibling who stole a toy or shoved you down? Or you're 83 and you've just experienced what a broken, fallen world is like. We know the pain of rejection where we have felt unvalued, not wanted, not loved, not needed, kind of pushed to the side and rejected. And the wound can manifest in so many ways. We saw in the apostles this retaliation 
but I've seen in family members a, a like deep inner promise that, all right, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to prove my worth to this person. I know someone who their own parents were big into the business world, but mediocre at it. And their son, feeling rejected by their parents, not needed, loved, or wanted, spent his whole life building up businesses way better than his parents, all out of this wound to prove, see, I have what it takes. You'll love me now, won't you? You'll need me now. Or we know people that we've been around where every setting they are in, you can just feel their heart. Do you like me? Am I enough? Do I fit in? And we may know parts of our own lives where we don't strive for greatness or we forfeited the notion that we were meant for something epic because we're afraid if we try and we fail, it's just true then. We're not loved. We're not wanted. And so we kind of hide a little bit. These wounds are so real and Jesus wants to give us freedom from them that they no longer define or determine us. Because notice in the gospel, Jesus' reaction to the same rejection. They go to the town. They want to have a celebration that night. The town says, get out. We don't want you here. The apostles say, should we call down fire? And Jesus corrects them and says, let's just go to the next town. Do you see the freedom of Jesus? Where he could be utterly looked in the eyes and said, get out, you're not wanted. After all he wanted to do was bring peace, kindness, and goodness into someone's life. And he was rejected. He doesn't shut down. He doesn't retaliate. He doesn't spend his life trying to please people and say, okay, well, maybe if I go back to that Samaritan town with bread, then they'll like me. Very peaceful, utterly free. He says, all right, we'll go to the next town. Now, lest you think this is just some sort of divine gift, let me tell a quick story about Mother Teresa. St. Mother Teresa, the great champion of the poor, do you know she spent two hours a day in adoration? Did you know that one of the nuns said, Mother, while all the other sisters are praying in the morning, I could go get food ready so even those who are hungry earlier in the morning, they could get fed. And Mother Teresa said, you don't understand your holy hour yet. You also have to do two hours every morning now. Because Mother Teresa knew that this nun was doing this out of a wound. If I'm helpful and insightful, then I'll be loved. Then I'll be good. She didn't know that she was already created immensely good. And that Jesus wanted to free her from the lie that she had to prove her worth. So Mother Teresa in India with a poor starving child goes into a bakery and says, Excuse me, sir, do you have some bread for this starving child? They haven't eaten in days. And the shopkeeper spit on Mother Teresa's face. Mother Teresa wiped it off, looked down for a moment, looked up and said, thank you, that was for me. Now how about bread for the child? I would have burned that place to the ground. 
his family, everything would have been gone in that guy's life. (laughs) How was she able to do this? Because when Mother Teresa prayed, she wasn't cute and pious. I know this because I knew her spiritual director. She cried. She emotionally bled out. She let Jesus enter deep into the wounds where she felt rejected, neglected, hated, mocked, accused, misunderstood. And as she let Jesus enter these places, not pretending to be fine, but hurting, she experienced a restoring love. Jesus restored her to her identity as beloved daughter of the Father. Jesus shared with Mother Teresa his own freedom, saying, listen, the Father loves me, and now through baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, and deep prayer, you're going to experience his love for you. One of the marks of a follower of Jesus is they are not orphans. They know they're loved. They know they're pursued. They know they're cared for by God unconditionally. Not for what they've done or not for what they haven't done. They're marked as good, broken, sinful, all of us. But it doesn't define us. Jesus comes to say, I don't want your wounds, your pain to define or determine you. I want to set you free. One final story of a great saint, St. Francis of Assisi. We all know him. We all have seen little images of him somehow petting deer or talking to birds because apparently deer weren't afraid of him. He was so powerful, okay? What you might not know about him is he had a really rough time in his family. His family was upper middle class merchants selling clothing. Francis had nice clothing. He was a charmer. He used to skip through the towns of Assisi singing songs and telling stories. People were drawn to him. He has a powerful conversion and he throws all the nice clothes at his father's feet. He says, I will no longer live for this world. You know what his dad did? Put him in jail. Put him in jail. Here's Francis sitting in jail being rejected by his dad, not loved, not wanted, not valued, no sense of, I'm good, I'm a gift. And what he came to discover coming out of these painful experiences is what's known as the Canticle of the Son, where he praises God as the Father of all creation and realizes every person is a brother and a sister, even his own dad which means his dad is good and broken. And he realizes the sun, the moon, the stars, all of creation flows from the love of the Father. He set the world on fire. He renewed the church. How? By opening his wounds to let Jesus enter in. Not pretending he's fine. Not saying, okay, I got to be free, so I'll just be free now. It doesn't work like that. The way it works is saying, I'm drawn to Jesus, Mother Teresa, and St. Francis of Assisi's freedom. Lord, I want that. Where in my life do I need to go? Where do I need to pay attention to? What relationships from the past or present trouble me deeply? I can promise you when you start entering into this journey, it will feel like I've asked you to go to East Cleveland at 2 a.m. 
It will feel scary, dangerous, and it will make no sense. Keep our eyes on Jesus, who's gone all the way to the bottom on the cross and came out on the other side, glorious and free. And he says, I did it first. It's possible for all of us. That is the gift in the Eucharist. That is what the Holy Spirit's doing in the church, awakening us to our wounds, not for us to be miserable and in pain, but to transform us into the freedom of God's children. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this audio from our parish. You can find other homilies, talks, and interviews at our website, basilthegreat.org, or by subscribing to this podcast in your favorite app. Just search for St. Basil Catholic Church, Brexville. St. Basil the Great, pray for us.